Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, throughout history, important events like the one that we are living through right now are documented in detail by the people living through it. So we need to start writing our own histories now. Joining me now to tell us more about the importance of this is community historian Brendan Matthews. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm Grant Janet, good afternoon. Now, you as a community historian, you know how vital it is for people living through important moments in time to document what's going on as it's happening. Because otherwise we wouldn't have learned anything from history, isn't that right? Um, yeah, absolutely, uh, Sinead. Um, vital to, be, uh, to record maybe perhaps personal details. Um, as we spoke earlier, maybe yesterday about the diaries uh, of Anne Frank, for instance, if you mm. take the diaries of Anne Frank, um, the, the young girl's diaries from 1942 to 44, she was only 12 years old, and she had recorded her experience of hiding away in an annex during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And those diaries turned into a hugely significant and important personal account of a young girl's uh, feelings uh, and thoughts and so on in during World War Two. So taking it from that point of view of recording your own diaries is hugely important. It's one way, perhaps, that uh, particularly now there's so many probably tuning into uh, the 11 to 1 show now that might normally be at school. So mm-hmm. particularly um, children who are probably the age of just turning from primary into secondary, that age group again, like Anne Frank, 12 to 15 year olds, it's an excellent project to get involved with. It can become personal as in a diary, so you need nothing more than uh, a diary at your hands and a a pen or perhaps even just a copy and note day to day of your feelings, your experience, your thoughts, um, the views of your family, how you're getting on with your family. That type of thing is hugely important. And what comes of it is then the personal accounts of somebody, whether they're children or an adult, a diary in the future will it takes you closer to the ordinary and real people who live through this. So it's their everyday life's experience which has been unfolded as you turn each page. And as you look back on that, uh, and as historians will look back on that in the future, they are actually living that experience with the diarist then of the, of the period because they are turning page by page, which is day by day. They are reliving it with the diarist. So it's hugely important and significant to document it in one way by 
that type of thing, uh, such as a diary. Absolutely, and you're, you're, you're so right because the likes of Anne Frank's diary or that, that's the stuff that we remember from history. We remember what she was going through, how she felt, her words, absolutely. It's only adding to, to the actual histor- history around that. Um, but you know, obviously times have moved on as well, Brendan. You know, I know that obviously we can write a diary, but what about video diaries? Is there any merit in that or is there a danger that that could be lost? Um, there's possibly a danger that this stuff, uh, t- the technological equipment could uh, be lost in the future. Um, hence the diary and the pen and paper is always the best to, se- to secure, maybe perhaps along with audiovisual. Um, th- there is some students and some adults who perhaps don't like writing and things like that, so they can take a different uh, method of, of kind of recording. So they could use the likes of audiovisual from their phones, uh, perhaps become what I would term historical journalism. When I'm looking at something um, of the past, I might go back to pandemics or epidemics of the past, viruses and diseases in history. So from from the likes of the Black Death way back in the medieval period, 1347 to 48, um, as how the effects of that touched on Drogheda, for instance, Mm. 25 Franciscans of the Franciscan order in Drogheda lost their lives during that year, 1347 to 48, and that was recorded and brought to us by the letters and diaries of Franciscans who were in Drogheda. Okay. Likewise, as you move on to perhaps the Cromwellian period, where more people died of viruses, typh- typhus in particular, during the Cromwellian Wars in Ireland. And that was recorded by a man called, uh, a personal friend of Oliver Cromwell, Gerard Bowett, who was a, a Dutchman, and he recorded a diary of how people were dying and what they were dying from. So it's a side view, if you like, of the bigger picture that was taking place in the 17th century wars, that more people died of viruses. And again, when you move on, to then the 19th century if the cholera epidemic mm. which was hugely rampant in Drogheda in the 18, 1832 in the summer of and that was recorded by journalists of the day as was the 1918-1919 outbreak of the what was termed the Spanish flu uh, and they were recorded by, by journalists and then appeared in newspapers of the day and the you can have a look at the diaries of journalists, reporters, notebooks and things like that from the period. And so it's, it's, a, it's a real insight into how people uh, live through this kind of uh, events or happenings in periods of time. It's an interesting one about the, in comparison to the diaries of Anne Frank, yeah. she not only was hiding away from Nazi Germany and then was moved around into concentration camps, Auschwitz and then formally into Bergen-Belsen. But she, she then, the poor devil died of typhus then, aged only 16 years of age. And her diaries were subsequently then rediscovered in 1945. She died in 1945. Her, her diaries then were later discovered and they were published in many different languages by 1847. So, again, it's, it's a huge personal touch. It's taking you back, unlike maybe the more bland official documents which historians will go through in time. Yes. Uh, this is a more personal touch. So the thoughts, feelings, if you like, anxieties and hopes uh, that, that the diaries uh, portray when you read them. And it's a real personal 
a touch. It, there's an openness about these diaries that brings you closer to the person. Uh, well, so this is it because the, there's there's an awful lot of you know uh, it's very cathartic writing down your thoughts because we are going through something that we've never experienced before. You know, we are socially isolated from each other. You know, so we could be talking about what's going on within our house, in our heads, when we go out on the street for our walks that we're only allowed to go two kilometres. What are we seeing? Sight sounds. Uh, the the more colour and the more descriptive, the better, Brendan. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those who may not wish to sit down and write a piece in the diary every day could perhaps do it through photographic evidence. Uh, we, we'll all see the pictures of maybe O'Connell Street and places like Belfast and Cork and West Street and Drogheda being completely bare. But maybe the, the place where they live uh, today, the estate, the street, the village they live in, to perhaps take a photograph of the playground um, the roads are empty, the playgrounds are empty, the streets are empty. So, And then again, by perhaps maybe if they have family members overseas, perhaps to, again, going back to the early teenager, to give them something to do, mm. which will be invaluable in the future, perhaps contact family members or friends through Skype and to, to become that historical journalist, the journalist of today, which will become the history of tomorrow. So to interview them, perhaps ask their grandmothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, neighbours and their friends, how do they feel about this? So they become a journalist. It's a great insight as well. It's great that LMFM actually are pushing this forward uh, and credit to them to, for the forward thinking because it may be an introduction as well into a type of journalism yeah. where a teenager could perhaps interview their families and friends, take photographs, ask their neighbours how they're feeling and then perhaps uh, when this uh, dies down and which it will go away to again talk to people in the aftermath of it so again the senior citizens mm-hmm. and you're, you're networking them between different age groups in society and bringing everybody together for the purpose that it's intended Absolutely Brendan I couldn't agree more it's, it's a great project as well for somebody to take on so as you mentioned there you mentioned a couple of pandemics from the past right back to the dark ages is there anything that you've discovered throughout history that could be teaching us about what we should be doing today like you know what I know they obviously didn't have the precautions that we have now and the, obviously the healthcare system and stuff that we have now but are there any lessons there that we could be learning about that uh, today? Um there certainly is lessons to be to be learned from each of them. Again, looking for looking at the Spanish flu, for instance, again just over a hundred years ago, nineteen eighteen to nineteen, it really was rampant in in Ireland and in in the northeast area from say early nineteen eighteen and by. March or April 1919, it had faded away. Um, by looking at those type of uh, incidents that happened in 1918, 1919, when I went back and visited uh, reports from that period, it's a great insight. Again, very similar issues to what happened today. Schools were closed in 1918, 19. Um, cinemas were closed mm. again. Um, and then it died away for a little bit, came back in the winter time. Um, but in interest, and ironically, that the first reports that came out about the Spanish flu uh, came from uh, the Navan area where oh. the hospital in Navan had uh, four soldiers who had taken ill with a flu virus. Of course, they didn't know how rampant it was back over 100 years ago, mm. as we do today, with technology has us all connected throughout the globe. Then it was a different matter. They didn't really know 
where this was coming from or where it was leading to. But again, they were sanitising everywhere. They were talking about the cleanliness. People were already anxious over the, the Great War was just coming to an end. Uh, food was scarce. Uh, hygiene was completely different than today. So, of course, houses weren't ventilated as mm. they are today. But again, people were still, at that period, they were moving they were moving around at the same time. So by reading back, you can learn from maybe the mistakes they were making. One, for instance, people who were dying in the northeast area in 1918 and 19, uh, as they were being buried, the funerals were absolutely huge. There was there's incidents yeah. in local press about funerals taking place during that period, and they had never seen so many people turning up at funerals because, of course, they were completely maybe a little bit unaware than we are today. They were only in the early stages of that period of learning about medicine as well during and after the Great War. So we can learn a hell of a lot. There is one ironic piece that... The last report in the North East, which went on for about 13 months or so, actually was uh, appeared in the local press in, uh, above all dates, April the 19th, 1919, when it finally said that it had abated and no more cases had been reported. And that's really ironic because of the date that we're heading yes. for this time with the 19th of April again. It was Oh, Easter. please God, Brendan, history yeah. repeats itself in some It was fashion. Easter Saturday then, so hopefully it will repeat itself. But we can, we can learn so much from uh, those periods and without looking at official documents, as I said before, bringing you closer to the people who relived it. It was the notes the letters and the diaries that was kept by certain people right back to the medieval period throughout all those centuries, right through to the 19th century and into the 20th century. Again, we had the likes of the the, the TB epidemic Mm. and that kind of disease that was rampant in Ireland where thousands of people lost their lives between 1922 and 1960 in Ireland. Um, So it's really important that we look at that and understand uh, what we can do to maybe... Uh, learn from the past and it would be good for children today perhaps to take a look at Anne Frank's diaries I'm sure they're oh online goodness, yeah, absolutely. and there's they could so learn, learn an awful lot from them Absolutely Brendan and there's so much you're bringing up there thank you so so much for that fascinating insight into to viruses and stuff from the past but also the importance of documenting what we're going through today uh, really appreciate you taking the time out and joining me on the show today Welcome Sinead you're very welcome thank you